Cool. Can you hear me okay? Absolutely. You're in. Cool. And, and okay, I'm going to definitely, definitely crack in a Guinness for this one. So we both, I think, started earlier. Health Excel has been going all day for me here. Um, I've been on a uh, watch, you know, Glenn uh, with Lisa uh, do the right. interview. Yeah. Um, then I got sucked into the telemedicine portal. Okay. Um, then digital therapeutics. And then yeah. just hopped off. You, you were doing something, right? Also. Yeah, I was helping run one of the panels. I was doing the payer panel and the patient engagement. And um, yeah, it's been, it's, it's, uh, it was great to see everyone. I was like a, yeah. I, I was like a kid, you know, kind of, I was sending little notes to everyone on the private chat, you know, like passing notes, you know, between everyone. <laughs> <just wrapping them. laughs> so I'm going to join you. I like this. I like this, by the way, of drinking actually on shot of therapy, right? Yeah. Um, I, I had it's one shot what, earlier. As, as we were go. trying to spin music in the networking session, but um, so what'd you think of the Health Excel? The guys did a good job. Cheers, cheers, cheers. Yeah, <laughs> I, I actually thought it was so smooth. Um, you know, nice and um, uh, Robin um, from uh, Novartis, Robin Roberts. Yeah, uh, we were just kind of discussing that. Um, you know, the whole like rooms. It's it kind of brings us back to the beam me up, Scotty. It just whoever comes up right. with those you know, the, you know, right. disciplining human beings on the screen will win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. That's what I like. You know, it's like you will be transported, you know, you're trying to get yourself in. So, you know, so some of you gets transported and some of you doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, right. it, it's, it's, um, uh, it, it's interesting. Um, uh, obviously just seeing a hundred plus people on the different screens and, you know, so many familiar right. faces, um, and especially like in the DTX discussions, uh, plus some of the news of good RX, you know, uh, filing their S1. Right. And um, I was just actually, um, I did email Doug Hirsch, who I actually have not interacted for like literally nine, 10 years, but I went to search right. for my email and I saw an email from like July 26 of 2011. And there's a rhyme or reason to this um, conversation. Okay. And it said, thanks for responding via LinkedIn. I'm in the process of building a consumer-facing price comparison engine for prescription drugs. Um, think about Omada 2011. Think about, uh, you know, Big yeah. Health Sleepio 2010. And right. so, like, it takes about, I guess, 10 years or so to build a, I put it in quotes, successful, whatever success means, company. Yep. 10 years. 100%. And, and anyone that says otherwise... Like there's some, there's something else to it if you build it in a shorter period of time. Like you look at the Lavongo story, you know, there was, um, that was faster. I mean, it was definitely faster, but there was an acquisition of, a, of an asset that began with, there was, there was a team that had already been working together for a long time. So, yep. so, so there, it is possible to do it quicker, but even with that, you know, every company that, that I've been seven, eight in. years, right? Plus the hundred percent plus. So it's, um, yeah. So anyone that, that cause it, anyone that says otherwise, it's, it's a seven to 10 year, seven to 10 years, seven years to see, you know, do you have something that's kind of worthwhile and sustainable in 10 years to get to potential breakout and, and you get signals of it in like year four or five. That's yeah. my view. So Maria and I are only like eight months into it. I have no more hair to lose. Um. Yeah. Now, I mean, there's different things. I mean, I think that's really, I think it's a really good question though about like building sustainable businesses or building businesses. Now, it's not that there's not kind of 
financial engineering of opportunities, right? Like you say, like I can acquire, you know, these customers and these, you know, areas and you can do that in 36 months, you know, you know, um, you know, and, and it also depends. It's like, it's this whole myth of the young person that's an entrepreneur um, that starts, most companies aren't that way. So, you know, I guess speaking of somewhat entrepreneurial, somewhat uh, coming from the big co and building stuff, um, I'm actually excited to uh, let in Melinda Decker into our discussion. Who absolutely? Uh, I'm going to let her in and then have her give so, a little yeah, background. Melinda is joining us, highly referenced from a uh, mutual friend. Hey, Melinda, can you hear us yet? I can. <laughs> hey, Welcome. how are you? Good. You're like in an exotic locale. <laughs> yeah, this is my backyard. I'm in a garage. Melinda. I was going to say, Eugene, you look like you're in a garage, so it's almost like <laughs> exotic. It's very right, exotic. Right. I it's even kinda... got a projector. And people think it's a projector right there. Oh, yeah. This, yeah. Yeah, this kind of fits our personalities, you know. <laughs> Eugene's so in the just garage. To make, just to make sure, Melinda, we haven't met. Right, yeah. like face I don't to face. So. We just, just all of the same people. I was just right. yesterday. Uh, Ed, Ed Cox reached out, who I haven't spoken to also in a little, couple, at least a couple of weeks. And like, oh, I heard Melinda is going to be on Shadow Digital Health. And I'm like, are you jealous? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say, Melinda. First of all, starts off with this. Like, I reached out to Nancy Fallon, and and I was, it told her, she's like, oh, I love the podcast. And then, she, so you come absolutely highly recommended. She said, the one person you have to have on the podcast uh, was Melinda. So you came in. So right then, anyone that knows Nancy Fallon, who has a big career in pharma and worked at, um, was working at Novartis now, right? Yep. And, and her, but her, her achievement really was surviving me. I used to run her budgets for her back in Cherry and Plow back in the days, which is wait, a scary wait, wait, thought. Wait. I was going to say, you <laughs> ran budgets, Jim? I ran budgets. I ran budgets. <laughs> but before you go do your own introduction, because I know we're going to screw it up uh, somehow. Um, <laughs> this is actually an interesting experiment. I, I didn't realize, that, you know, Melinda, you're the first guest that neither myself or Jim actually have met at a digital health event or bar. It was like through kind of a recommendation to have you on. Yeah, I'm surprised. Usually the bar is where to find me. So <laughs> it, it is uh, a situation. I don't know if you saw, we're not allowed to say those bad negative yes. words. Oh, yeah. I don't have my sign. Well, why don't you sign. take us like quickly? Uh, so you have like pharma background, obviously startup. Um, I was just talking to your boss, uh, the CEO, a couple of weeks back. Remind me of fascinating stuff you guys are doing there. Uh, let's just, hear about it. Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, so... Uh, so I am actually an engineer by training. Um, I started in California. I have a master's in biochemical engineering. And I mention that because I too love the math, the math trophies, all the fun finance type stuff. Um, I actually started in um, doing research and actually in viticulture and analogy. Um, UC Davis is a leader in winemaking and making wine or making biotech drugs, very similar. You just purify it a little bit more. Um, so, uh, so, you know, they always say in winemaking, the best way to make a million is to start with two million. And so <laughs> biotech is the other way you actually make money on it. So, uh, so I knew the place to go. Um, and I actually, um, was in research pipetting alone in a clean room and, you know, just meeting me now, Eugene, you can probably tell I'm pretty outgoing for an engineer. 
And so that was torture, like listening to fabulous ABBA music, you know, doing the PCR machines, all that stuff. And um, I knew I needed to make my way into the business side. So I went back and got my MBA, um, marketing and finance and switched over and actually entered the pharmaceutical industry through my MBA intern internship. And then my career was spent Wyeth, Pfizer, Metamune, AstraZeneca in about equal splits between R&D and commercial. I also took a little tour in manufacturing. They let me in because I was an engineer. And manufacturing? Yep. Wait, stop, stop, manufacturing. Talk, yep. talk manufacturing. Well, how long? Was it a year, two years? What? It was a year. So the president of, of uh, manufacturing at Wyeth, he had been one of those cross-functional mentors they pair you with. Always take those. Um, and he right. thought, hey, do you want to, I was working on the Protonix brand team, like multi-billion dollar U.S. brand, having a great time. And he said, come over, come work for me yep. in manufacturing. And I wanted to be prepared to be a general manager when I, when I grew up. And so I knew that the first <laughs> background helped. And going into manufacturing, you know, you're learning about how tax drives every decision, right? And it's tax, tax, cost of goods. Right. It's yeah. everything like that. And so it actually rounded me out in such a good way that I now start bringing up like what the operational efficiency is of making that a diamond shaped pill right. rather than a round pill because it drives cost of goods. Is it going to differentiate our product when you're thinking about commercial? All of which is manufacturing. Let's talk like vibe, like so in pharma, like the vibe and commercial, like the brand, like back in the day when you could spend a lot of money on DTC and, you know, sales reps, and then you go into manufacturing and it's like, totally talk about the vibe. Yeah. So, so it's funny because I actually have said it. Um, so I was recently, it was a few years ago, I was at, I was at um, ADA with my team at AstraZeneca and I was walking down the street with a whole bunch of R&D people, right? So you have like commercial type folks, you have R&D people and you have manufacturing, all really different. And right. I was walking down and I bumped into the entire AstraZeneca diabetes commercial team. And they were awesome right. and they were cool and they're really great people, right? But I like looked around at the R&D people and I said, I think you people may be my people, right? Right, right, right. right. <laughs> like, right. So long, like you're not quite cool enough. Like, I'm not good. Like, I always say, I can't stay yeah. out until 4 a.m. and drink. You can do one or the other. So it's like, if we're right. going to drink, I'm going to have to go to bed by like midnight, one o'clock. Right. That's how I. That's how I felt when I came to Ireland. I remember coming to Ireland and you know, walking in. I'm going like, Jesus, why does everyone look like my mother and my sister and my cousins? And they're like, like this is a whole land of kind of yeah. fair-skinned <laughs> exactly. people. Exactly. So it, it's funny to see because um, in commercial, also at the time, this was like early 2000s. We all dressed up in suits every day and like looked spiffy. Yeah. And yeah. manufacturing was not that way. And so they actually always assumed I was a consultant. Like for the first quite a few meetings, I'd come in and I had my little pearls on and you know, you right. were like young with your MBA, you know, picture it in the pharma company. And, yeah. and they immediately were like, thought I was from McKinsey or BCG or something like that. And so actually- It's kind of a distrust. It's kind of a distrust, right? Like it's a union kind of mentality. Well, and then it was the Protonics manufacturing guy, the guy done supply chain would be like, no, I know Melinda. I've been working with her for years on the brand team. Like she's good people and everyone's like, Really? She looks yeah. like a consultant. <laughs> Jim, I'm just, I'm, I'm like in awe of your questions on manufacturing and financials. And I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm, I'm literally in shock right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They have a, a, a other dimensions. Yeah. I, I, I learned something new after, after such, a, such a thing. <laughs> okay. So we didn't let you go. We didn't let you continue because I stopped you with the Sorry, manufacturing. Oh, stop at any time. Um, so, so, um, so career is about half R&D, half commercial, and a little manufacturing. 
Um, and along the way, I kind of stumbled into digital marketing, digital health, commercial innovation, all those kinds of roles for about the okay. past 10 years. So I joined MetaMune as the head of commercial innovation, and I'd been on the Enbrel brand team for about five years. And it was right at the time that MetaMune was launching um, okay. some products well. in that space. And so it was perfect timing to come in and kind of do innovative things. From there, it turned into digital health. I ended up, you know, AstraZeneca had this fantastic team that was working on digital health, digital therapeutics, across R&D, commercial adherence, everything. And they actually needed someone with a commercial background because they were all R&D. And right. so speaking that language to say, well, how do we actually work with one of the brand teams to convince them to use the support tools and whatever. Um, and so I joined that, um, loved it, um, and then continued on doing that. And so along the way, um, I left AstraZeneca a couple years ago, I've been consulting and advising. And then um, one of the companies I advised was Miami. Um, which is a digital therapeutics company in autoimmune disease. And I'd met the C CEO at one of those bars at a conference at the digital therapeutics meeting. <laughs> I just found out I've met her too. I've met her too at, at JP Morgan. I, I was told by my co-founder that I went drinking with her. I, I, yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> what, what did you say, Eugene? I said, was she wearing pink socks? Well, not, not at that. That was, that was CNS, right? I think this was DTX. She still didn't have pink socks on, but... Um, but it was an interesting, it was an interesting thing because it stumbled along. And so I joined earlier this year as chief commercial officer and I'm having a blast. It is so different than huge companies, massive teams, lots of resources. Um, yep. wonderful, right? Cause you get, to, you know, it's first time being entrepreneurial and, and Meta and I are kind of a balance of, of things we do because she has more of the entrepreneurial and dreams big. And I sometimes work out some of the practicalities. So it's, it's good. Yeah, she's, she's kind of a badass, isn't she? She's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's why many of us are at the company is she's yeah yeah she has kind of I, I asked around and a lot of people have really great reputation and yeah. so so give us the kind of what what is the company does again yeah so um so auto, uh, miami focuses on autoimmune disease and empowering um, people living with those diseases to reclaim their health so it, it's a program that has three components uh an app um a uh digital and data analytics and then health coaches, which I know Eugene is from familiar with, so certified health coaches. Oh. And the backstory is that most autoimmune disease, so you guys know this, like anyone who's worked in pharma knows these are the biggest selling drugs right now, specialty care, they dominate the market, but they all focus on where the disease is attacking you, whereas we're looking at why, right? So it's not saying the skin versus the joints versus it. We're looking at identifying yep. triggers, food and environmental triggers to figure out why your body is having this autoimmune response and trying to reverse those symptoms. So again, it's, you know, the app where you record what you're eating, you know, all the exciting things, water, bowel movements, symptoms, things like that. And then made, you know, data analytics in the background, figuring out what those triggers would be, and then coaches to help guide in the behavior change. So all about improving quality of life. And uh, along the way, we've seen some fantastic. So, so how, does it, how does it feel to wear so many hats? Because uh, I, I don't know actually how many people you guys have. Uh, you know, I kind of in a similar path. I think most, most viewers now left the big company and now joined Marina. And it's like, you know, we're switching hats all day long, right? Um, so, so I've been doing it for a while where I wear lots of hats. I love it. And it's actually what I loved about being on a brand team right, is that you're the owner for manufacturing issues, for safety, for whatever. Like, I actually loved that about the pharma side and being on the brand team. So it's very similar in when you're small, you're also figuring out HR stuff. You're also like, you know, I joke, um, we have a fantastic director of operations at Miami. 
And I oftentimes, you know, give her department names, like, could you thank the entire talent acquisition department for help? It's one person who's also, you know, payroll, who's also, right, accounts receivable, right. accounts payable, like she does a lot of hats, right? And so, yeah. you know, it's, it's fun, you get to move, you're always thinking. And also, the beauty of this is that you're your brain picks up lots of different things and fits it together. And being an engineer, I'm such the problem solver that I love piecing those little bits and trying to figure out where it goes. So it's it's actually been really great to, to wear different we have to stop. We have to talk, like Eugene, we never talked about this before though. Let's talk cash, like about cash. Cash, cash. Finance, cash, I mean, <laughs> dude, what the hell? No, 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 but the difference, I think no, one of the I... differences like fundamentally is, I remember leaving is this idea that you know, you're finding a business model, you're figuring out your business, you're raising capital, and not many people can handle that uncertainty, yeah. you know, that uncertainty even like that, I, that the company might not have enough money to pay you in 12 months or 18 months, never mind. I think we've, you know, I've had some white yeah. knuckle rides. I've had some white knuckle rides <laughs> that are a lot tighter than that. <laughs> so what do you guys think about that? Are you close to that? I mean, you guys are probably more developed now at this stage. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to get you to disclose your yeah, mind. I, I probably can't disclose too much. I certainly, if you guys have any cash in your cushions that you'd like to give me, I will certainly take it. But, but it is very different. The one thing that, you know, I said, was, you know, I've worked on brands where our spends are hundreds of millions of dollars, right, in marketing. Right. And so this right. is a very different game of like trying to figure out an advertising agency, right? Well, it's not Ogilvy, it's not Digitas, right? It's something small who works with startups. It's a totally different world because I, I can't spend $700,000 on a media buy, right? When okay. you're- What a, a strategy, right? It's not about a strategy. It's about de-risking constantly and actually doing stuff. Yeah, right. it's the old, it's the, la the last thing we need right now is a strategy. We need to get shit done. <laughs> right, right, exactly. That's exactly. So, so it's interesting in, in that sense. I, I even said kind of the presentations. Um, I was a, at a family event and, and someone came up to me trying, this is when I was my pharma days, and he asked me like where I get money from. And like, if you need money, you just go to like your, you know, TALT meeting, whatever leadership meeting, and you're like, put together a proposal and I need $20 million. And you usually get it, right? It's usually a good business case. There's plenty of money to go around. That is not how so long. startup land, right? <laughs> it, might, it might take a six months, though. Right. I mean, it depends where you are in the budgeting cycle, right, Jim? Yeah. I didn't know, Mr. CFO? Yeah, you know, I mean, I was, I mean, that's kind of how, that's why if you hear a lot of people that kind of like me around the pharma industry, it's all because I ran their budgets for years. <laughs> I ran their budgets. I was, <laughs> that's my reputation. <laughs> well, and, and being good at, at forecasting. So one of the things I used to joke about, like when I was on big brands like Enbrel, is you could always spend extra money. Right, so you'd be like at a bar. Again, I got a lot of work done at a bar like you guys do. And I hear that the other brands were gonna be underspent and I know about managing quarter spend and end of year spend. So I walk into our finance department and say, hey, I hear there's an extra $2 million on this brand. I can use it by pulling forward these tactics from next year, can I have it? And people are like, what? And I would get it, right? Cause it was like, well, they're not gonna spend it. You can spend it. I was a great, you know, you to like forecast within 0.3% in order to get your bonus and commercial treat people to their bonus. So I'm like, I'm an excellent forecaster. I can tell you exactly how to spend. And so yeah. some of those types of things, you know, it's just different. Yeah. So what, one other piece that I noticed, because I, even though we're very unprepared, it literally right before you jumped on, I took a look at your LinkedIn and I saw health mode. Yes. Right? Yes. Uh, you're an advisor to it. I actually saw them pitch at one of the Netstarter uh, events and like I, you know, I love the whole uh, kind of discovering digital biomarker. So as a researcher and also commercial, I'm curious a little bit about kind of 
what you're doing with them or so so uh, so yeah I'm, I'm drinking water i know it's still early in new jersey too but um, i'm in philly but i i uh, have a couple meetings after this um for, first off like you know dan carlin is excellent right good people good ideas but coming up with um you know how you look at digital biomarkers how you can use it in, for example in oncology right there's some really cool so i was leading oncology at astrazeneca digital health before this and so there's you know performance status can you actually figure out which drugs to use based on some kind of video can you those types of things that are pretty amazing it, it's funny because I, I love digital therapeutics but also i'm so passionate about using digital health in r d to speed up r d you know whether it's ai right. and discovery or you know other elements and so part of what health mode is looking at you know ai in clinical trials what types of things you can be doing and so it's really impressive and and uh, i think i think speaking of cash they might be wanting to get some more cash so uh if people <laughs> um if people know that, but um but you know that that type of thing is is really interesting so to me i've been thrilled to be a, a advisor to them you mentioned digital therapeutics and we had this health excel thing and it's been on tip of everybody's tongue right uh, especially with some of the fda regulations that yeah. came out during covid um you know i'm curious to kind of contrast your experience in astrazeneca within the digital therapeutics team and working through that and you know, I don't know if directly or indirectly Miami considers, if you guys consider yourself as a DTX or not, because I know there's quite a lot in that package, right, um, which is a bit of a misnomer. So I'm curious, like your contrast on AstraZeneca and view of DTX. Yeah, so, so I think what's interesting is from the pharmaceutical side, in general, we are always looking to improve our products and our product sales, right? It's a very, very different way. We're trying to improve the quality of life of patients. Don't let me get that wrong. But it's a very different ballgame when you have a $10 billion product. So some of the challenges, like just using pharmaceutical companies in general, is when they're looking at DTX, if it's going to supplement their revenue stream by $200 million, that's like barely a new indication. It's like maybe a new formulation on a huge product. So it's right. actually hard. I, I worked in um, one of my jobs at one time, strategic planning and doing the portfolio analysis. That's the finance side of things. And trying to figure out what you prioritize. And in a pharma company, a DTX usually wouldn't make the cut because it's not big enough, right? Now, and I'm they haven't really, it hasn't have really, like, it hasn't, right? Like, if you look at the big kind of successful announcements with, like, paratherapeutics and great guys, totally impressed by them, or, you know, the Proteus and the, um, who else yeah. we have out there? You know, those, those, yeah. Oh, yeah, don't, don't like, confuse, actually, Proteus, somebody commented on LinkedIn, Proteus is a digital medicine, not a digital therapeutic, right? So, come yeah. on, Jim. <laughs> God forbid. <Yeah. laughs> It's also, I actually, it's also bankrupt, so, you know, it's not quite a good. Sunny, I actually, I actually figured out, I figured out that I'm in an entirely new category, and I just figured it out just the other morning that, you know, like with, I always, I keep figuring out I'm in a different category. So with our product, we wrap it around, you know, injectable medications, you know, our product conjoins with a, an injectable medication to do engagement, right? And, um, but the... You know, and I was kind of dealing with actually, we're going through an investment round and I'm dealing with, you know, explaining results and where we're at and kind of road mapping. I'm like, why don't people get this, what we're doing? Like, of course, pharma takes a long time to buy things. Of course, healthcare systems take a long time to buy things. It's just how they are. Yep. So I have no problem with it, that things take time. You know what I mean? Like in terms of, so you just want to make sure you're making progress, you know, along right. that cycle. Right. But the, you know, the tech investor, the generalist investor, they, you know, really struggle with that, right? Like how can, how come things are taking so long? And I kind of realized that, that this 
you know, that I'm kind of an area almost like pharma, digital health tech. You know, it's like almost like pharmaceutical digital health tech, which is even more nuanced than digital therapeutics or, you know, kind of care systems where the pharma people are just going to buy, you know, if we're going to put our product into a patient's home, they're going to take their time and they're going to first no yes or no go decision. Then they're going to contract and they're going to implement and they're going to assess and then they're going to start recruiting, you know what I mean? Like, you know, patients. So it's like, it's, they're just going to follow this process. So Jim, I think you need a sexy term for your the new category that you just came up with. <clears throat> However, right. what is it? Give it to me. I, 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 can't, I can't think of one right now. That's why. Come on, you're drinking. I there's sometimes when you want a new category, but there's often times when you want to be part of another category, right? Either for fundraising <laughs> or for reimbursement, right. Or whatever, right? So, but but I think yeah. what you're talking about, Jim, though, I mean looking at a pharma company and to Eugene's earlier question, it's also the amount of risk that they're taking, right? So, so I worked at Wyeth um, right after the Fen Fen litigation, right? $21 billion worth of settlements, right? And I always joke, it's like the amount of risk and the impact that can happen, which is why pharma is slow, which is why, you know, it's a very right. different, that's why it doesn't operate at the speed of tech, right? right. And, and so that's a difference that when- Which is kind of right. It's just kind of right. Like if you can take like my product, it goes into a patient's home. It's not into a patient's body but it's like, you know, like a medicine, but it's going into their home. So, you know, you kind of would want the people making that decision or deciding to endorse that to kind of go through that process. Right. You know, right. you know, I mean, you can see it after a while, if it's in lot, you know, if it reached a certain scale, they can accelerate that, but it kind of makes sense. Right. But you know, it's interesting, right? Cause your customer, Jim, are pharma. And I think, you know, kind of bring back to Melinda's the pricing. I mean, you know, we haven't really seen real prices set for DTX and it's not large enough of a pricing and you know are we going to see a blockbuster DTX we, we talked about this on the yeah. health excel earlier like is there a blockbuster DTX like is somebody like big health with sleep issues right and sleepio is that going right. to be priced right and juicy enough for a big pharma that's you know making 10 billion right on a well, well but like look at i mean is it going to be comparative to like Xyrum at jazz pharmaceuticals right you know i mean it's a billion dollar like can you actually get to that that place, right? And and I think part of it is trying to understand how we're going to be paid, right? Like quality of life measures and stuff. Because when you look at things, you know, Novartis just launched a new rare disease drug for like, you know, a couple million dollars, right? It cures, it's amazing, it's for children. Right. You know, difference. But all of the, you know, quality adjusted life years, all the assessments are a million. Nobody got to 2.4 million, right? Right. Whereas digital therapeutics can actually demonstrate cost savings, quality of life improvements that are multiples of what they charge and they're still having right. time charging it. And so it's a different place because everyone assumes because it's tech that it'll be cheap. But it, if you pay it on outcomes, and I know, you know, some of the guys always talk about that, you know, if you put a, if you put a cloth over it and you couldn't see what, what it is, if it's a pill, if it's digital medicine, if it's digital therapeutic, you know, you would just pay on how do the outcomes, how do the side effects. It, but it's, it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a chicken and the egg, right? And I think uh, you know Miami has done a fantastic job, right? I mean, you guys released an RCT. I think some some outcomes on it. I I didn't dive in, and um, you know, a little bit of a plug. I actually paid for it, two hundred bucks for the year. Uh, Brian Doolin's exits and outcomes, where I dove in. Like it's fascinating to see that only like twenty percent of DTXs are actually doing RCTs, which is like right. Uh, but it's the question, do they need to do RCTs? Can you launch directly, right? And the investor community is split, right? 
And so okay. some of them like Pear and Achille and stuff have gone hardcore down the route of FDA approval and regulatory, right? And we haven't yet seen them on lots of formularies and charging prices similar or comparable to pharmaceutical treatments, right? And so some of those are the types of questions that are left unanswered right now. And so like we're in a unique position because Miami can actually go direct to consumers right now with our currently available product and also sell to payers and self-insured employers, right? So we have contracts with, you know, with those that are ones in the public domain, there's some others, right? But those types of yep. things that you actually can go direct, especially because in our world, we improve outcomes and save money. So it's a win-win for everyone, right? So you just have different models, but then figuring out, you know, would you ever get to, you know, MS drugs, hundred and some thousand dollars a year? Well, if we got similar right. outcomes to MS drugs, would it be appropriate that we could charge that? Yeah. It's unproven so, so far. So I have to pause for a book recommendation here. So this is, um, so, so um, I'm reading this book. I, I, this is fantastic. Like next time you come to Dublin, uh, Eugene, there's this fantastic kind of secondhand bookstore just in the Dublin city center, like one of those charming ones that it just opened up again. And so you just totally eclectic random one, but I picked up one. It was called the Island and the Island was um, it's written by a guy Huxley and I'll, I'll put it in the notes afterwards, but it basically was this Island in kind of like a fake Island called Pala in like India or Indonesia is the story. And it talks about um, there was a medical facility set up on this Island and, but they preserved all the traditional kind of Buddhist kind of Asian uh, treatment. So they had this, so they created this incredible where like kind of, you know, kind of English kind of UK science was being combined with like Asian treatment and therapies. And so every, and they, during the course of this, I think that, you know, they're constantly treating the whole person. Yeah. Like, so, you know, it's just kind of, but it's a story about how this island's going to get corrupted and, but it's the beautiful native people, but they, you know, they're like scientists and the research, you know, Fascinating. So they're, they're like, you know, they're taking health coaching to the next level, basically. The health it's, whole, it's all health coaching. Listed, it's all yeah. health coaching. Yeah, it's all health coaching. It's like I'm, someone I'm says, Marina, the island. Okay. Yeah, like, and I was thinking, actually, I was thinking of this, like someone, like, say, um, like our friend Martin with Health Excel, right, just hurt his knee recently, and and they're um, and they're giving the treatment to his knee, and they're giving the, the injection to stop the inflammation or something of the injury, but at the same time, this person's talking to them and kind of. Uh, psychotherapeutically and talking about how small the knee is relative to the strength of the man and the size of it so that the that the knee will never lose in the battle against the human or something so it's late at night Eugenia <laughs> I'm going off I'm going off honestly I, I I thought you were gonna you, you must have had already like a few drinks throughout the day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you were gonna recommend my book which is not even written fully yet but <laughs> totally but, oh, and that's what I'm waiting for that? out of your book I, I'm going to interview <laughs> you for it. It's, it's, the going title is Heart Pill to Swallow, an Entrepreneur's Journey Through the Belly of the Beast. So this oh. is like the whole pharma industry and kind of, you know, yeah. decision making and all of that. So that will be fun. Yeah. No, that sounds um, great. But one, um, we're, all, we're, we're doing this a little bit later today. So I'm like <laughs> watching at the timing and I'm confused. I'm like, whoa, we, we did a whole hour? No. So I think we have room for one more curious topic. Uh, at least I'm curious about it. So you just joined um, as a chief commercial officer and we're in this world, which I think goes for all of us, but I'm curious how you handling, because obviously kind of opening doors, closing door, closing deals, right? And a lot, most of this, so like, what has your experience been like, uh, especially in the startup? You're talking about during the situation? Yeah, yeah, the situation. She picked up quick, I like it. <laughs> yeah, um, so, so, 
so some of it is um, certainly a lot more challenging, right? We build relationships usually face-to-face, -face, right? There's all those, you can't go to bars, right? You're not doing some of those things. But a lot of it actually is crazy efficient, right? So you think about how much time you spend traveling, how much you time. So I've been able to get off a call with a customer and a half an hour later, like in, you know, in the South and a half an hour later, get on one with the Midwest yeah. and you pick up and keep going. And it's like, that probably would have been a whole week of my travel, right? And you know, there would have been some like storm that came through and stranded you in some like Dothan, Alabama or something, right? Like that's just how it would happen. Yeah. And, and so it's actually been good in that sense. Um, I have actually found, I mean, heck, you know, Jim and I met, you know, through this and it's like, you can't just COVID. Right. You just, you just, I didn't say it. He said it. Um, and so, and so, so, but we actually, you can form relationships. It just takes more. The thing that I would challenge is I'm curious. I mean, obviously most CCOs are probably extroverts and whatnot. And, you know, most people in sales, but, but for other people, if they're finding it challenging to form relationships, mm. build those bridges, you know, I can probably talk to a wall, so it's not a big deal. Right. It's, <laughs> But, but, you know, just trying to figure out and like find communities and react and, you know, and, and connections. But, but in, in most parts, actually, I have found it to be more efficient. And then on top of it, you know, good for the family and all those kinds of things. So good for your health. I mean, talk about holistic. It's like, when have you ever been able to get in this much like fitness and yoga and whatever? Because you don't have communities. You're not on planes. You're not losing. And I give the example, um, I'm an advisor to MIT's health technology program. And the only person, or was the only person at the time, based not based in Boston. So they scheduled the meetings at 8.30 on Monday mornings, right? Right. right? So in order for me to have Sundays with my family at home, I had to get up at like 3 a.m. to catch the first flight. I was running across town to get there, right? right? And, and then I didn't get home until late. Now, roll out of bed, end up yep. just getting dressed on the waist up. Like, I don't even have to do it, right? And, and I, I always call it the businesswoman mullet, right? Business on top, tardy on the bottom. And, um, and, and you just, you just then go. And then like, I'm on other meetings like that it's like 8.30 to noon. And then like by noon, I'm on other meetings related to Miami again. And it's no skin off your back. You're not exhausted. But it's, it's, it's really efficient. It seems like your energy levels though. Is there an echo here? It was. Is it working? Okay. Yeah, no, it seems, no, okay. It, it seems like your energy levels aren't fading at all though. You're just, you're just, pounded away <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i have a lot of energy so it's it's one of those things that you uh that you can keep keep going on but i mean the one hard part because i'm an extrovert i mean ed cox and i were talking about this the other day for people like us like we do like i miss seeing him right so he and i schedule a regular uh walk until yep. we, we realized we were in our office too much so we try to schedule a walk where like we make each other get outside and and take the call while walking and, but it's like, hey, dude, I miss having a drink with you, right? I miss seeing you in person. I miss meeting up at conferences. That's why Jim and I did this, right? We're, we're, <laughs> so right. cheers. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> but, but I think, so that's the piece because especially for extroverts, I, I posted a meme to my Facebook page, you know, like a month or two into the pandemic that said, you know, introverts put down your books. We are not okay. It's fascinating because that's, that's a, I was talking to, you know, with Eugene starting this thing up, it was like, it's like, we're the ones suffering here. The introverts are fine. <laughs> you <know>, like, <laughs> no, interestingly, I, I actually, I was just talking to somebody who identifies themselves in, as an introvert. Um, and, and they stated that actually those once in a while conferences uh, gave a shot of that energy for a while. Right. So right. even that is actually draining. Again, every individual is different. Right. And I would they're argue like social, that. they're like social camels. 
<laughs> like a little yeah, bit man. of water. Look, I was I was reading some article. And there's no social. Care. Ooh, I like that. Dude, you're on fire today. We should. Yeah, should but... Like he has to have like a hashtag on each one. Hashtag social camel. Uh, I'm just j jotting down the the funnies, the jingles, the funnies. The funnies. <laughs> right. See, I'm known in this like little the little sub circle that I'm surprised we had for having one joke. <laughs> I have one joke. <laughs> uh, actually, in the networking session for Health Excel, we were kind of missing you, Jim. You were moderating something else, and retest was was spinning for like three minutes. We started drinking, and we were saying we needed you for uh, for the joke, but. I know, I know, I know. Anyway, um, you put, well, listen, put I'm watching the time. Uh, this passed by super, super, super quick. Uh, I can't believe that we're already more than half hour into it. Um, so it was really a pleasure. It was a great experiment as far as I'm concerned. I hope you enjoyed yeah. it too, Melinda. This was fantastic. No, I, I hope I have the opportunity to come back again in the future. <laughs> totally. You know, we're, yeah, we we're have deciding the future uh, as we speak. Uh, <laughs> what, what, we're season two, hold? right? We're yeah, this is season two. two. Yeah. I saw what season two. I, I caught a couple episodes to, to kind of see what was going on. I'm like, how are they already in season two? <laughs> we just decided to cut a season. We're like, let's do a second season. Yeah, yeah. let's do it. We're and then the my son was like, you need a break between seasons. And we're like, oh, why do we need a break between seasons? <laughs> No, we're we're like you know we just release them constantly. So we're we're gonna move on to season three, and then who knows? Uh, maybe we'll take a vote. But anyway, um, really pleasure having you. Uh, for the pleasure. viewers and listeners, uh, hit the subscribe. We're growing every week, which is awesome. Um, and our goal uh, is a million subscribers. We're at two hundred. <laughs> we're at two hundred. Dude, I wish we were two hundred. We're at one seventeen on YouTube, so we're getting no, there. We're getting there. We're definitely gonna right. clear one twenty this week. <laughs> All right. Thanks.